He has given me his abundance, his completeness, and I'm trusting that in him all things are complete. Welcome to the Essentially Translatable podcast brought to you by Lutheran Bible Translators. I'm Richard Oski. And I'm Emily Wilson. We are here today to talk some about Sabbath. What does Sabbath mean to you, Emily? Uh-huh. I would definitely say that it meant one thing to me when I was a confirmation student and studying the commandments, and then very right. different as a college student and trying to make all of that homework fit over the weekend, especially when I was you know, trying to balance a part-time job. But then, really, I enjoyed a Sabbath this past weekend, and it meant something completely different. So, really, it, it is a journey, I would definitely say, and something of a growing experience. Sure, yeah. It's really, I think, as we're going to talk here in a little bit, we'll find that it's intended to be a gift from God and not a burden, but a, a delight. Mm. And that's some of what we will talk about. Well, we're going to talk today with uh, Ali Federowitz, who is LBT's member care coordinator, and she is coming in with us here from Ghana. So welcome, Ali. Thanks. It's good to be here again. Yeah. Glad to have you with us. How are things in Accra? Hot and lovely. <laughs> Excellent. Now, here in Concordia, it is the opposite of that, I think, in both ways. Hot, not hot, and I'm not sure about lovely either. It's quite windy, actually. And yeah. in case uh, we have unexpected noise later, it's also moving day here in the office. So if some of that comes in, we'll know what that was. So <laughs> good to be here again with you talking about Sabbath. And let's talk about a little bit. So why why are we talking about this on you know LBT's podcast, the Essentially Translatable podcast? Why is this on your radar and something that you're... Um, passionate about, Allie? Yeah, actually, it's one of those things where I would give the advice but not take the advice until very recently when I, I did take a full day of a personal retreat and just really kind of reveled in what it really meant to, to rest. And I think we're tired. Like, maybe yeah. we get enough sleep at night, but we're tired and we are constantly trying to achieve and make lists and check off lists. And we don't really know what it means to stop and to rest and what that can look like even for different stages of our lives and how it has to grow and change with us. Yeah. So a little bit about personal retreat for people who haven't experienced that on their own. Allie, could you share a little bit about what a personal retreat could look like? Sure. It, especially, I think I'm an extroverted person. I live and get energized off of interactions with others. And so sometimes people would say, you know, you really should just take some time and do a personal retreat. And I kind of said one time, actually, that sounds terrible. That was my, <laughs> my real reaction. Like, why would I want to go off somewhere by myself? And really what it came down to is I, I just had in my mind what it the shoulds and the should nots. I had the list of rules of what it needed to look like. And it it just didn't sound like me. And then just very recently, some mentors encouraged me, you know, this is this is what it really could look like for you. And so I grabbed two other women. So I wasn't all by myself. Mm -hmm. And we went up on what they call the mountain. It's just really a, a big, beautiful hill mm -hmm. here with uh, forests and gardens and everything. And I had some Bible study materials and we kind of came together at key points and, and talked and shared. And then we went away in different spots on, on the grounds where we were for, you know, an hour or so and did some 
reflection, some praying, you know, and just, I think learning that it was okay. I didn't have to sit and pray in focused prayer for an Mm -hmm. entire day. My mind can't do that. Many people's minds Mm -hmm. can't do that. Mm -hmm. But then also knowing that when I came home, like life was still happening, you know, things can happen without me here. And I think Mm -hmm. especially as a mom, and maybe I might have control issues, who knows, you know, to, to know that, yes, I can get away for myself and come home and th- things are still moving. I was really amazed at actually how refreshed I was after being mm-hmm. away. I didn't come home and feel like, oh, back to the chaos. I came home mm-hmm. and I felt ready to be able to face the chaos and even mm-hmm. embrace the chaos. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So having that positive experience for myself, I think even even really made me even more passionate about so today when we talk about Sabbath, I think it's kind of a, a term that itself is not a term that people use in regular everyday speech, right? So we're really talking about some kind of change of pace or rest in some way, although we use the term Sabbath for uh, those of us who are, are Christians because we are tying it to a recognition that this is something that God has commanded us to do, but not commanded to be a burden, but to be a gift and a blessing to us. And, you know, so the third commandment in the the Hebrew scriptures is you shall honor the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. And the Sabbath is the seventh day of the week, according to other texts that are are nearby there. And uh, keeping it holy We'll, cut, we'll kind of catch that idea in a second. But the thing I think is really important to recognize is a couple things for me. One, when you really stop and think about it, you got to love a God who tells you that you need to take a day off. And <laughs> and so that's that's huge and, and could be life-changing, even if folks listening don't get anything more out of it than this, that God wants this for you. And two, it really is a matter of faith. So it's kind of, you know, you could from the the Western perspective where there you have so many options available to you, you could come at it like it's kind of an arbitrary thing. Why why this? Why once a week? Why rest? But it really is a matter of faith insofar as if you think about the context where this command is originally given to the the Hebrew people who are first traveling and then settling in a land where they're basically gonna do subsistence kind of work to live when you take a day off from that work, I mean, everything you do in a certain day, that is how you live that day. And if you don't accomplish what you need to accomplish that day, you could possibly not live or have negative consequences. And so to actually have the faith to sit back and say, I'm going to rest because God has promised to provide for me is a deep matter of faith. And that's true for folks in biblical times and honestly still true in much of the world today as well. So I, I think it's just important to to kind of catch a glimpse of that this is a a faith thing, but not only for folks who are in a subsistence thing, and maybe even more so for those of us who work in a real production-oriented lifestyle. It's a matter of faith to say, I can stop this for a minute, right? I mean, what would you say about that? Absolutely. I mean, it is definitely relying upon God and trusting that He's going to not only give you the rest that you need, but that you're still going to be able to be productive. Let's say if that's our that's our focus, be productive mm-hmm. during the week if you take a break right now. Mm-hmm. I think you know a God who provides manna and quail right, right. Uh, that would otherwise it would otherwise rot. But on that mm-hmm. on that last day, no, please do gather extra. You're allowed to grab extra this time, and it's it's going to last. You know, like you said, people were relying upon God fully and completely. And I think that's where our example is. 
definitely showing his abundance. I, I'm reminded of the, you know, the verse, my grace is sufficient for you. And I was really thinking about that because the word sufficient, like I think adequate and satisfactory when I hear the word sufficient, I don't think like abundant. I don't think like this is all you need. All you need is my grace. And then I think relying upon God's grace, trusting that he's providing not just in what I think of as sufficient, but he's providing abundantly. He's, you know, the full measure of everything that you need. Yeah, we have to really allow ourselves to let go and trust fully in that. And I think, you know, in various times of our lives, we trust more fully than others. And we allow ourselves to rest more fully in those times than others. And I think that trust is definitely something that we struggle with to even define sometimes because there is such a an emphasis on self-sufficiency and, you know, productivity and pulling yourself up by your bootstraps mentality that we trust in ourselves very often, but we we almost are blinded to our self-trust and our our lack of leaning on God. Uh, sometimes a lack of trust in what God was doing and what he had promised. Right. And and nobody does this, even probably, you know, the people we're talking about in the Bible story, for example, none of them were probably like, I'm just going to put it in God's face. It's like, I need to be responsible. Those are the terms right. we use. Like when we don't take right. risks, I need to be responsible, a good mm-hmm. steward of the time that God has given me. It's really easy to rationalize to ourselves why we need to not rest. And I think, yeah, that comes forward in our time too. I mean, really to, uh, for the Lutherans listening, you'll know that the first commandment, you shall have no other gods who explain that is you should fear, love, and trust in God above all things. So when you trust your own efforts or insist that what you do is what's really required to make things happen in spite of any rest, in a sense, that is an idolatry. Mm -hmm. We, you know, we think about that term, we think about like, if you study the Bible when you were a kid, it's like bowing down to statues or whatever. But there's so much idolatry that's just uh, mm-hmm. relying on yourself, too. And anyways, I don't want to be a downer here, but um, <laughs> <laughs> let's let's speak about the positive things here. So and again, we really have in mind folks that anybody, really anybody, this is is valuable approach to life. Certainly the folks who could benefit most are church workers. These are the folks that push themselves too far and don't take a Sabbath. And then uh, the missionaries, and we uh, hope you missionaries listen, know we are we are looking at you. Everybody thinks that the pastors are, are uh, superheroes on a pedestal, and the missionaries are folks that the pastors put on a pedestal. So we know you guys feel a burden, right? And that's why we really want to talk some about this. So, Allie, you, you kind of made some points here that I want to, to flesh out and just see how the conversation goes. So this is a, a great point. When we set rules, guidelines, hours, and boundaries for our work. So those of us who are very organized about our work, but not for our Sabbath. So talk a little bit about that. Yeah, I mean, I think about even for professional growth and development, you know, where do I want to go? What do I want to do? What books can I read? You know, we're always looking for how to progress and how to get better and grow in those areas. And yet other things stay stagnant. We're just so used to thinking that our worth is in what we produce and what everybody else sees. There, There is some sort of prioritization of our 
our vocations, our careers, uh, where the, you know, where the money comes in. Mm -hmm. And then we aren't doing that with the resources that God has given us necessarily, the gifts that he has given us. I mean, taking a Sabbath is a form of tithing. I've always grown up being told, you know, you tithe your, your gifts of money and your time and your talents. And I feel like I've always been told your time is how you serve the church. Mm -hmm. But I also think your tithing of your time is how you just stop, mm -hmm. how you just rest and listen and wait and and you just try to be quiet and give that time to God, whatever that might mean. I think we'll get to that in a little bit. Like what could it what could it look like? Sure. Yeah. Um, so that we're not being, you know, legalistic about it. But God asks for ten percent, um, if we want to kind of take that biblically literal of our of our salaries, so to speak, and just and just one day a week, I feel like he gives us the rest of it. Like, just, you know, you get 90% of your salary in six days of the week. I just want one. And not only that, but I'm going to show you how to do it. I'm going to speak everything into existence, which, by the way, human, you can't do that. You can't speak anything into right. existence. Mm -hmm. yeah. And then I'm going to rest and I don't even need the rest because I'm God, but I'm going to just show you how it's done. And then I'm going to give you this example and I'm going to give you my grace um, as abundant. I'm going to say abundant from now on. Pardon me. Yeah. I'm not a translator. I'm just claiming that for myself as the, as the translation. Um, I'm going to give you my abundant grace to cover everything else that doesn't happen on that day of rest. I feel like if we really take into account how massive of a gift that is, we should just run to accept it as much as we can. So we have, you know, this idea of, okay, rules, guidelines, but it's, the Sabbath isn't necessarily about what we do or what we don't do, but maybe the absence of certain activities or for others, maybe the presence of certain activities. And looking at the Sabbath being God's gift to us abundantly, giving us his grace abundantly, but also that as we are created uniquely in his image, we are also unique as individuals. And what it means to rest in the Sabbath might look a little different for different individuals. So how have you maybe seen that, experienced that, Allie, along in your ministry? Yeah, and I think I think that's good to, to recognize, too, what things look like for some people is not rest and is not um, a Sabbath for others. And I think just like our devotional life, as we grow and mature, then our Sabbath rest changes with that. Mm -hmm. Whether it's that we are able to understand more about what God is giving to us and what is involved in that gift. We understand ourselves more and what it is that we need to do for our physical bodies to prepare for the upcoming week. I really do think it's part of our, our growing and changing and maturing. And, you know, for those of us with with families, what stage our kids are in in life mm -hmm. impacts um, how we're able to to rest. Uh, and missionaries too. What what are we involved in during the week? Is Sunday the best Sabbath day for us? Mm -hmm. Is Sunday really mm -hmm. the day where you can rest, or is it another day? Um, for our family, and I think many people in ministry, not just missionaries, experience the fact that life and work, the lines are really blurred. Mm -hmm. And as much as you want to set boundaries, um, I'm thinking of pastors with, you know, 
trustees and elders meetings happening all the time and hospital visits and all these things. You can't always choose when those things happen. Sometimes people need you and you just have to go. For our family, too, we decided that we could make Sunday a Sabbath day, but we also had to do things throughout the week so that we were not so exhausted on Sunday that we didn't even enjoy being together as a family. So we had to set other boundaries in our life and we had to have things like, you know, not working after after 8 p.m. in the evening so that we could get up the next day and do the work all over again. Uh, we actually thrive on schedule. <laughs> so we even scheduled what our meals were going to be every Sunday so that there was no question. Some people who enjoy cooking, that's an outlet. That's a respite. That's um, a creative expression and an expression of love. That unfortunately is not me at all. So Sunday mornings was the one day a week that we did um, cereal, which is very expensive here. I think it's expensive in the U.S. too, but <laughs> cereal and boiled eggs. And then lunch was whatever leftovers we could scrounge up. And then supper became, it, it kind of grew and changed, but it was smoothies and muffins, which actually I do enjoy baking muffins as a as an act of love for myself and family. Um, and then as, you know, as our kids got older, they really got involved the snacks and smoothies on Sunday evenings has become such a huge deal. It's like we have a bigger spread on Sundays than we do the rest of the week. Nice. Um, yeah. You know, this kid's making guacamole, that kid's making popcorn, we're cutting veggies, uh, pulling out whatever, you know, treats we might find. And for us now, we've morphed into this um, time where we play games as a family on Sunday afternoon. And it's something we really look forward to. Now that's after we kind of each get our own individual time. My kids are between 10 and 14, so they can handle being without mom and dad for a little bit. And all five of us, really, we go our separate ways for a little bit after after lunch. And then we come together again um, mid-afternoon for games and snacks and smoothies. And we, we take a walk around the block. And it feels really nice. It feels like we're in a really nice place uh, mm-hmm. this season of life. But I, I will say we certainly altered and juggled and struggled to to get to this point. And I know that we'll continue to kind of, um, you know, we'll reach a point where it's like, okay, this doesn't, this doesn't seem like it's meeting our needs and we'll All go right. to the next level from there. Yeah. Cause the Sabbath is, is made for man, not man for the Sabbath. You know, that's, it's a gift to us. And um, I want to go kind of circle back to a, a lot of what you said somewhere in there. We had the thought of, it's not so much what you do or don't do, but it's the, well, Luther writes in the large catechism about the Sabbath. It's not so much what you do or don't do, but the hallowing of it in the older English or the making it holy, which is what the scripture says. And holy means setting it apart. And that that's a key kind of biblical term that, again, has taken on different meanings and almost churchly, otherworldly meanings. But to make something holy means to set it apart. And so I like what you're talking about here in terms of setting apart part of a certain day, setting apart even a couple of hours in any given day or series of days. Uh, it's the setting apart that is is really important. And even in the first Sabbath, when God rests from creation, he rested and it says he made it holy. In other words, he set it apart and not because he had to, but because he wanted to and wanted to model it for us and and make it a gift. Also for our family, when, when we were in a small village in Botswana, we also on the Sunday afternoons was the day that it made the most sense to 
say this is this is the time that functions as as rest or sabbath or a set apart time for our family and it looked different for us too we usually had an intern or a kids teacher that was in our vicinity that that worked with us so she was part of the the mix too and the three of us adults would go our separate ways and what that usually meant was the my wife and the the intern would go out of the village to a to some lovely folks that owned a lodge about 25 kilometers away said come anytime and and just i don't know sit by the pool and and hike the trails and whatever you want to do and they would go do that and i would stay home with the kids but i'd be home with the kids and get to discipline them however i wanted and not not i don't mean that to sound like punish them but i mean <laughs> I had a a really rowdy group of kids. The Radowski kids are were high energy, and I could let them go and do and be and interact with them and just rest from the normal structure and rigidness. So I know it sounds kind of funny, but when you're a family with young children, sometimes finding the the way to have Sabbath is a challenge and uh, doesn't necessarily look like what you expect. If you expect it's supposed to be some kind of solitude or rest. I think that that hearing both you and Allie sharing about your experiences of how to make it your own, that really comes into mind of like that balance between rigid, legalistic, and then not having any sort of guideline to to be able to determine, are you resting or not? You know, it's almost like a litmus test. And I think that being able to form those boundaries, you know, boundaries, I'm not going to lie, used to be like a dirty word for me of like, well, what do you mean? Like, that means like you're putting like, you know, a wall around something. And that's the beauty of it, though, of like, you know, that it is definitely something a little bit more flexible that you are maintaining, but that there is a gate, you know, it's not just a brick wall. And being able to feel that and experience that within your Sabbath. And I think that's one of the aspects that, you know, we've shared about in ministry, that it is something that requires flexibility and understanding and that there are definitely things that come up in our our lives, in the lives of those we walk alongside, um, that means that we might not be able to hold fast to uh, what we were expecting to do on our Sabbath. But being able to say on a normal basis, whatever that normal looks like, how to set boundaries for our Sabbath and to, to honor those. And I don't think that there's anything formulaic about that, but what kinds of questions can people start asking themselves to be able to evaluate their boundaries and maybe to uh, build up on how to create their Sabbath in a set apart way? I think it's good to evaluate, you know, what is it that I do during the week that I find draining Mm. and then find a way to accommodate that on the weekend. I'm going to say weekend, but maybe you work throughout the weekend and Monday is a better Sabbath or Friday is a better Sabbath. I think we've worked with missionaries too to just determine maybe that's two half days. Maybe Uh you start your Sabbath on a Wednesday afternoon until Thursday at noon you know, we do need to be a little bit creative. Our world has things today that weren't a long time ago, like everything being open seven days a week. And some people with jobs that are in the 
the service industry, you don't have a choice of when you work or there's just hard times and you have multiple jobs and you're just trying to make ends meet for your family. So God's grace is sufficient and abundant for that too. It just is that your Sabbath has to look different. So how am I giving of myself during the week that's that's draining? And then how, what can I do or not do on my Sabbath that can replenish that? So I prefer not to cook. I don't get a lot of joy in that generally speaking, or I prefer to have a kid in the kitchen with me doing some some baking project that we wouldn't normally do so that it's, you know, somewhat special. If you're, you know, if you're someone who is constantly interacting with people, conversations and everything, then then maybe you have some times of solitude. And that might mean like husband and wife need to take turns with solitude time because of because of children. And then with kids, you know, how are we going to help them to see that this is what's happening? Mm. Right. Um, some families for their devotion time, they have, you know, special things that signify the beginning of a devotion or a Bible study time. Maybe you light a candle mm. or you sing a song. There's a rhythm with that. Mm-hmm. And I think we can we can echo that rhythm on our Sabbath day and just just make it longer. You know, if, if we go to Jewish tradition, you know, that Sabbath's going to re- begin on Friday night. Mm-hmm. There's going to be house cleaning. There's going to be food preparation. And then there's a community element, too. So mm-hmm. on, on our Sabbath, are we going to get together with another family and share a meal? Or because we're constantly with other people during the week, are we going to just make sure we get close time with our family? Are there certain activities we can do with our kids or help them, you know, help to grow them to also have some time of quiet and solitude. I did listen to actually several podcasts and I have a few different resources on just what Sabbath looks like. And one guy who who definitely was looking at what it looked like in Bible times and he just taught his kids, you know, on, on a Sabbath, we pray, we play, God loves us. And those are the mm-hmm. things that we, we need to know. So there was not a an emphasis on not doing. It was yeah. an emphasis on God loves us no matter no matter what, and he's given us this day. So we're going to pray and thank him. We're going to play and we're going to be together and we're going to honor this day. Mm-hmm. Um, so I really I really liked that, especially thinking about having maybe toddlers. Yeah, play, you know, and maybe play with them and then maybe mm. encourage them to play on their own. You know, dad's going to read this book over here for just a little bit and we're going to have just a little bit of, of quiet time. Maybe you can play with Play-Doh or... <laughs> maybe there's certain maybe there's certain yeah. songs you songs you can listen to mm-hmm. um, just establishing some of those rhythms trying being a not being afraid I should say not being afraid to just try things out and if they don't work right. then that's fine right I, I think it's one of the things that came to mind while you were talking too is is talking to your kids about what's going on and teaching them you know it's it's one thing to say you know mommy just needs to rest or whatever, but to uh, rather than that and making, you know, a kid could kind of fill that in with like, boy, I'm kind of a burden to my mom. Um, just, you know, um, God created this cycle of rest to actually overtly talk about that this is this is a healthy thing for everyone. And so we're as a as a family looking at doing these different things or taking these different steps to give ourselves that rest. And so that might look like mom doing this or dad doing that, but just having that conversation and including the whole family in even maybe talking and thinking through how are we going to do this together or what what seems like Sabbath to you to learn that about each other. It could be really powerful. 
Mm-hmm. And thinking about too, of like what drains us, sometimes it's not necessarily that the activity is draining, but the time at which it happens or that when you compound this, this, and this, then it becomes draining. And so like, for example, you were talking about like something that you enjoy doing is, you know, you love uh, baking for your family, those, you know, those muffins. It's not being in the kitchen like entirely, but rather maybe like that specific activity. So being able to see where God has given us joy and seeing that as we're, you know, uh, digging into scripture of, Where is it that, you know, God is leading me and what he has planted in our hearts to draw us closer to the people uh, in our lives and to him? You know, maybe it's a passion for uh, the outdoors and being able to, you know, focus in on like, okay, I'm going to include my family or, you know, whether it's in solitude and being able to, to read scripture and also engage in, in his creation or being in community, thinking about the different ways that you know God has wired us and that it's not necessarily a black and white of I'm drained versus I'm not, but maybe like really kind of analyzing a, a self-awareness of I'm drained by this thing when I've got these other aspects on my plate. Like, so I'm an extrovert. And I love to meet new people and hear their stories and really just kind of uh, delve in. Things with COVID really have kind of shifted gears for me. Like, oh, I feel like I'm becoming more introverted because of, you know, the physical distancing protocols and everything. But that my recharge happens like, okay, that my extroverted tendencies uh, during the work week have been so focused on productivity and accomplishing and uh, moving forward in teamwork that my I still need those relationships as I'm in Sabbath rest, but rather than looking to accomplish something, I'm looking to fellowship and be in this uh, state of we're, we're just being, we're, we're just going to be, we're not like in this uh, state of we need to accomplish this goal. Um, but so that it's not, oh, I need to be alone now. But rather, what has my focus been on with my relationship and just kind of discovering that about myself along the way with uh, this Sabbath journey. In hearing you talk to Emily and just, you know, more self-discovery, I think COVID's given that to everybody. You're you're forced to be introspective more than than maybe before. And I had said, you know, what where do I spend my energy during the week? What drains me? But another way too to look at it is what do I what do I do so much now that it, it has it no longer has value? Mm. And so how how would resting from that thing restore its value? Mm. Um, mm-hmm. I think that could be an, another way to evaluate, you know, things I don't want to say the shoulds and the should nots, but what what can you incorporate into your Sabbath? And also remembering, you know, God created us with lots of senses and Mm -hmm. and how can we experience his creation that engages the senses? Mm -hmm. Would that mean going out for a walk and enjoying nature or listening to music? You know, really trying to make this something that um, 
fills up tanks mm-hmm. um, yeah. I- involving all of the senses. I was actually reading a, a book on trauma this morning. So, you know, just some light mm-hmm. reading. And um, <laughs> it was talking about spiritual resilience and how those who have, you know, who develop spiritual resilience can recover better from trauma. And for some reason, it brought to my mind Sabbath and how that can really work towards our spiritual resilience. And I I had this imagery of a crying baby. And there's this strange thing that most parents know that when a kid gets overtired, like Mm -hmm. they just don't sleep. And what is it? You just want to say, you're so tired. Why don't you just Mm -hmm. go to sleep? Like that, Mm -hmm. that will solve all of your problems. And I thought, that's what we are without Sabbath. We are these tired, crying babies who cannot be consoled, mm. who cannot fall asleep. And then we're just going to go into the next day as right. tired, if not more so than before. So this rest that God gives us is allowing us to take that that nap that we, we cannot allow ourselves to do because we are otherwise just so overstimulated with everything happening around us mm-hmm. uh, that we won't allow ourselves to calm down. So anyway, for, for what it's worth, for who might uh, (laughs) resonate, resonate with the overtired, tired child metaphor. So I'm going to speak for the guys listening here and talk about in a, there's a season in my life where all the stuff we've been talking about for the last several minutes, I would have said that all seems really self-centered. Like it sure seems that it's a lot about me. How would you respond to to that sort of sentiment? I think that's a sentiment that I don't know if it's only men, but I think men sort of sometimes take that approach mm-hmm. to things like that psalm seems pretty warm and fuzzy and, mm-hmm. and self-centered, all the Sabbath rest stuff. I think it would be better to say it's God-centered, right? <laughs> you aren't actually focusing on yourself, but we're going back to trusting in God and his abundance. Um, I think it, it could be maybe a better place to start if that's somebody's take on it is, okay, then how, how can I make this for my family? Or if, if I'm a single person, you know, who can I fellowship with where we can Sabbath together, celebrate the gifts that God has given us Mm -hmm. in some way by sharing, maybe there's Bible study involved. Maybe there is camaraderie involved. You know, maybe there's just some sort of activity that you do where it really uh, builds one another up. You know, you can you can exercise on the Sabbath. It's it's not, it's mm-hmm. not saying that you can't exert yourself, especially mm-hmm. if that is something that really can can energize you. We think of rest as, as sleep, but this is really about what's charging the body for the week. And God has given us that. So maybe that's stereotypical, you know, men exercise, sweating, sports, whatever. <laughs> but, but I think you can, I think you can do those types of things. And then that's all the more engaging the senses. I think there is a self-centered aspect though, because if we don't take that time to rest, then, then what's going to happen for the rest of your, your week and what's going to happen for the rest of your life. Uh, you start noticing things falling apart Mm-hmm. And yeah, and I think too for process or product oriented people um, wanting to achieve, right? The idea of like retreating so that you can advance is that's mm-hmm. a paradox that we can't understand. But if mm-hmm. we just stop and mm-hmm. allow the world to go on without us, without it needing us, we can see that it, it doesn't need us, mm-hmm. then actually we can maybe accomplish even more because mm-hmm. of it. 
I think that there is, you know, with that restoring, rejuvenating, recharging, all of that verbiage and, you know, that question of is it self-centered? Is it a self-awareness? You know, that we would naturally expect anything that is biological, right, that there are, are natural seasons and periods of that rest, you know. And, and we have that, that beautiful imagery set in Ecclesiastes to be able to, to share and to show like, okay, this is, this is very natural. This is how God designed us. And like you said, Allie, like watching like that, that baby just struggling and that it, it's nonsensical. It's against, you know, God's design for us to go on and on and on without resting that bringing it into that that trust that we are actually more capable in our our serving of of God and others when we restore when we recharge when we get back into the word someone who is going 24/7 without a break is exhausted that's when they start breaking down in their relationships uh, physically emotionally that there is a deficit and you know no one would expect for a you know a surgeon to go you know without resting that would be detrimental to him and to his patients um so if looking at it from that framework of you know we are all you know maybe we're not operating and it's not life or death in that sense it's definitely a a sense of all of our relationships are supposed to be that we're ambassadors for Christ and that modeling Christ, he rested, you know, like he took time apart and to to be in community, but also time to be with the father, that it wasn't a legalistic sort of approach, but that there, there is that natural balance and that in order to be an ambassador for him and to share his love with other people, that there is that need to refocus on the word and to to recharge and to focus on God's will for us. So just looking at that of that, okay, well, what does that balance look like? And that it's not an easy, an easy answer or black and white. Yeah. And you've both touched on what eventually spoke to me and, and I want to say overtly to because uh, there could be other other folks men or or women who have this sentiment like for me being a a pastor or a missionary the thing that drove me was i'm here to serve other people so to 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 pay attention to myself seems really self-centered like maybe even more so and the reality that was eventually communicated to me that really spoke to me was and, and you both touched on this you won't be able to serve other people <laughs> if you don't take care of yourself. And so for, you know, anybody out there listening who is really driven by, you know, the grace of God to serve other people and you feel like that, you know, I shouldn't, that that is what I really need to be focused on. You you need to stop and focus on yourself or you won't be able to do that. You won't. So showing some love for yourself by Sabbath and love for your family and is showing love for other people because mm-hmm. you will not be able to mm-hmm. eventually serve. You guys both mentioned, you know, eventually breaking down or being unable to to serve. So that's that's a critical importance. This is not just a, a self-centered exercise, but ultimately 
prepares and rejuvenates you to take on the task that you have, yes, and but to serve others, which is you know the calling for God's people. Ultimately, when you've been reconciled to God, then the remainder of your life is to serve others. And mm-hmm. uh, and mm-hmm. taking it seems not intuitive if you just try to think in your own strength and logic. And that's why God makes the point of saying you need to rest. Mm-hmm. It almost so, seems like it's maybe even more self-centered to to not take the time to rest because right? then. <laughs> you you're saying oh i i can just i can just do it all and then eventually you can't yeah it's mm-hmm. all about and then, me and my effort and right. not recognizing going back to where we kind of started at is uh it's a matter of faith to say god will accomplish that and that was where i was at at a certain point is uh you know if i don't who will was kind of the approach that i had and you had to learn if it's if it's going to happen uh, god will make it happen and he doesn't need me to do it all Mm -hmm. I I do want to kind of ask a question and you guys could probably speak into it much better than I can. But for the people who are in like this state of like, oh, this sounds so beautiful. This sounds so wonderful. I want that rest. But like they're almost just in tears because that fear of like, but I can't let it go. I know that there are a lot of young moms out there who are just like, I just want that that piece, but I'm I'm dealing with a toddler, you know, or like, you know, not yet verbal to be able to have logical conversations with to be able to say, like, I need I need this time. What words of peace or comfort would you say from a space to that person and how to how would someone come alongside so like for me for example coming alongside my sister who is full-time momming and you know just busy all of the time like what words of comfort would you give there is a season for everything i think and like we've talked about it just looks different at, at different stages so when when you're a mom with babies and, and toddlers, that's the true tired, right? That's the right. I'm not sleeping tired. Mm-hmm. That's not the same as what we're talking about now. Like <laughs> you long for sleep, deep, mm-hmm. uninterrupted sleep. But mm-hmm. but God's not saying that, right? God's saying, I'm giving you rest. So you lay all of those burdens at his feet. Like He's hearing them. You know, he is loving you through all of them. And then what does Sabbath look like for you? Can you take a whole day and just rest in God's promises? Well, maybe not. But maybe there are maybe there are songs that you're listening to um, that are playing in the background as the toddler's hammering with his hammer on the on the workbench or whatever. Maybe there's just there's just the rhythm to it. You know, maybe maybe it's not the time for, you can't even really have a kid sit still in church. I I remember years of never knowing what the sermon was. Like, I don't, I don't know. I, I know I'm forgiven Mm -hmm. and, and that's, that's what I know as a fact, but I have no idea what that sermon was all about. But just by our own postures and our own habits, um, you know, when you're in church on your Sabbath day, you know, it's it's like the posture of worship, right? And I, I think not to cheapen anything, but there is there is a state of going through the motions, not disconnected from your heart, but like going through them and trusting that at some point 
this is going to all be, you know, fulfilled. God is going to right. complete this. Um, and so sometimes you, you do have to almost fake it till you make it. And you have to just take small incremental steps. Um, and sure, cry out in your exhaustion. It, it doesn't mean that you're not allowed to be, you know, frustrated or whatever. God can hear all of that. Um, and and more every single every single day, but maybe just a recognition of his of his call to us to just rest in him and trust that, you know, he gave us this these children to to grow and to bring up in the faith. And he's going to sustain us until that time where we can get an hour to ourselves uh, every every now and again. Yeah. And I think the a couple of things um if you're if you're part of a a Christian congregation, look around and see is there somebody that might mentor you. But I'd rather actually not put the burden on the young family, <laughs> but to the listeners here who are part of a congregation, look around and see that young family, mm-hmm. and uh, see if you can offer just some words of encouragement to pray with them to help in some way and to not judge. And then I'm, I'm thinking of the church workers in particular, if you've got a church worker, pastor, a family with young kids that you sort of picture that everything must be perfect in that house because it's the pastor's house but, or, the, or the missionary's house. But that is definitely not true. And to approach with just that posture of, of grace and, and love could be really meaningful and helpful for a young family, young mother, maybe a young single parent who's really struggling to make you know life happen and and find rest. Mm-hmm. So one of the first years that we had our it was LBTU back then before CMI, yeah. uh, Concordia Mission Institute, and the it was run hard, rest well, yeah. and yeah, I was one James. of. Yeah, it was one of the conference coordinators. And so there were just a lot of aspects where, you know, I wanted to engage. I wanted to experience that, you know, okay, I'm going to, you know, run hard and then rest well and focus on what does it mean to rest. And I I just couldn't. Like, I, you know, as a conference coordinator, I, I just, I couldn't engage. And I, I just cried. And I think that sometimes seeing those people in our lives who are also, you know, struggling with the, I can't, you know, it's almost like spinning plates, you know, you kind of can't let anything fall and just saying like, okay, I, I recognize that this is another spinning plate for you. You can't stop making meals for your children. Uh, But how can I come alongside you and take you out or babysit your children while you can go and have a date night with your husband or that there is, you know, a a single mom in the community who's just needing the love of Jesus and being able to, you know, maybe she works on Sundays and, you know, her day off is another time and that you just finding a way to come alongside um, speaking uh, God's words of truth and love that, you know, she has seen, she's heard that his his desire for her to rest is also uh, there and that as the church, you know, as brothers and sisters in Christ, we can uh, come alongside and, and offer that too, that um, yes, it's, uh, it's a self-awareness of what our own needs are, but sometimes you know, dependent on life circumstances. Maybe people are 
in a darker place that they aren't able to find that rest to recharge. So that that coming alongside can offer words of hope and can bring things into a clarity that maybe they wouldn't be able to see otherwise. So yeah, just thinking about the the power of that togetherness that we have. Yeah. And that image of the spinning plates, that just really hit home because I can I can remember a time as a young parent, you know, young married couple with with lots of small kids, hearing the call to take Sabbath rest, feeling like another plate to try to spin Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. and the guilt and heaviness that came with that and and one of the ways that um, someone walked with us through that was somebody just saying it may not be possible to do this right now i mean if it's feeling like this is another burden and i think that i wouldn't want to say that you just kind of suck it up and say okay well i can't do it now but for me that was a helpful thing right at that time to say that's something I aspire to. I can't see the pathway now and that's okay. And we're going to get there rather than feeling it like, okay, I'm spinning all these plates and here's, and I'm not, you don't mean to pick on Brenda Jenks, but here's Brenda Jenks handing me another plate to spin. (laughs) That's not what she's trying to do. And if it feels like, and even if you're listening to this podcast, if you haven't turned it off by now, and it feels like we're saying, here's another plate you need to spin. That's not where we're going. Okay, so just bringing in like that that imagery of burdens as right. I, preparing for this podcast, and I was like, like okay, where does Sabbath show up in you know scripture? And that was one of the recurring things. And I know that they're talking about physical burden, but in a lot of ways that it really ties into of like so. Just one of the verses here up on my screen is Jeremiah 17:21. Thus says the Lord, take care for the sake of your lives and do not bear a burden on the Sabbath day or bring it in by the gates of Jerusalem. Yeah, he's he's talking about physical burdens, but like also, you know, bringing into that aspect of is the Sabbath becoming a burden that that is like contrary, right? <laughs> it's like contrary to it being set apart and and that it is God's command for us that, like you said, that is it another burden? That's that's almost contrary that like God's saying, like, that's not my intent. Right. Again, that the Sabbath was created for man, not the man for the Sabbath and being giving grace to people and and openly. Right. That they they have that grace pronounced to them, that it's not just something that they have to internalize, but rather being that community of grace and and sharing that good news of like the sabbath is here for you to rest and this is how we can come together and and make that a possibility for you who are feeling especially weary and burdened because those burdens can be laid down and in that trust and faith in god so for folks who may be interested in trying to think this through more or access some resources that would unpack further thinking about Sabbath? What recommendations do uh, do you have? Well, I, I was even thinking for myself, you know, what is it that, that helps me to set apart my Sabbath day? And I think people might actually be surprised. My kids play Minecraft on Sunday. It's the only day of the week that they, that they are allowed to to play video games. So some people, you can easily judge that, right? It's going to be different for everybody, but that's like their thing that they look forward to. And for me, I have a couple of different blogs that I only look at on Sunday. And it's something that I look forward to. I come to my room, I sit on my bed, 
my kids are off doing their thing and I just take some time to read a few blogs that I really like. And actually a, a ridiculous thing is that I look at the Aldi ad for the week. I love Aldi. We don't have Aldi here. I just want to see what they're selling. Right? So I, I do that on Sunday. Growing up as a kid, the Sunday paper was full of all of the ads and everything. And that's a memory that I have from Sundays as a kid. So I that's the adult version of it. I don't look at all the stores online, just Aldi, and it brings me joy. <laughs> you know, so these are things like, are those worshipful things? No, absolutely, they are not worshipful things. But it's like there's something different. It's a different pace from the day, and they it just brings me joy to do that. There are some books that are really easy. Actually, one, one book that came up in all the other books that I was reading is called Keeping the Sabbath Holy, and it's W-H-O-L-L-Y, Keeping uh, the Sabbath Holy. Okay. And the one book that I just finished reading is really, really short, and it's called Sabbath Keeping. And what I loved about it is it really spoke against all of those prescriptive things, you know, what should the Sabbath be? But just really talking about, you know, if you're one of those families that is running errands all week long, then maybe on Sunday you shouldn't run errands. You know, maybe there might be other times for that. And and then seeing the opposite sides of things and how how Sabbath has morphed and changed for different people. We did mention briefly Run Hard, Rest Well by Brenda Jenks, and she's done workshops for a variety of different people. That's another really short thing. Um, again, not, not wanting it to be a burden for anybody, but just seeing examples of maybe what it could look like and just finding these small bites of things that you can do to help jumpstart what a Sabbath can look like. Something that really spoke to me for my personal retreat was a, a soul care podcast from the Potter's Inn. And it was just about us taking a solo day. And he said, he, he really just said, you know, if you're worried about if you're doing it right or not, then you're not doing it right. Because it shouldn't <laughs> be about what what is right. But yeah. he gave some great suggestions about combining resting, observing, praying intentionally with taking a walk or doing some sort of exercise, reading a book for enjoyment and reading a spiritual book. And I really liked those suggestions and how to, you know, how to break up your day. And if you wanted to do that with somebody else. So this would be for a personal retreat, which I think really can help get you into a Sabbath rhythm. Mm -hmm. um, or it can help with the framework of maybe what your Sabbath looks like. Uh, you know, having having meals together as a family or as a community, what, whatever that community might mean for you, you know, the family next door or the Bible study group or whatever that might be. So those are some kinds of things that have really helped to inform my views of Sabbath, because I was one of those people that thought I'm not doing it right, which meant I wasn't doing it right because that right. was my main concern, yeah. rather than resting in the gift that, that God has given me that he has given me his his abundance, his completeness, and I'm trusting that in him all things are complete. Absolutely. That's a, a great note to land on. Sabbath is a, a gift from God and a gift that we can give ourselves, but more importantly, when we give it to ourselves, we give it to each other as well. The, the family that takes Sabbath together is giving a gift to each other and honestly, giving a gift to anyone that is in your sphere of influence that you could possibly influence or work with or serve when you have taken care of yourself in a in, in this sort of way. 
you're giving them a gift and that's why God gave it to us, at least one of the reasons. So thank you very much for our time this morning. We've been talking with Ali from Ghana, where it's, uh, I guess, getting to be nighttime. And yeah, thanks for your work on this. We worked hard to put this Sabbath episode together, <laughs> but we hope it's a, we sure hope it's a blessing for uh, everyone and certainly encourage you to not think of this rest or Sabbath as a burden, but as a gift and to proactively explore ways that uh, you can receive this gift from God. Thank you for listening to the Essentially Translatable podcast brought to you by Lutheran Bible Translators. Look for past episodes of the podcast at lbt.org slash podcast, or subscribe and leave a good rating on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow Lutheran Bible Translators' social media channels on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, or go to lbt.org to find out how you can get involved in the Bible translation movement and put God's Word in their hands. This episode of Essentially Translatable was co-hosted by Emily Wilson. Our producer and editor is Andrew Olson, and the podcast is distributed by Sarah Lyons. Our executive producer is Amy Gertz. The artwork for the podcast is designed by Caleb Rodewald. Music written and performed by Rob Veit. I'm Rich Rodowski. So long for now. <laughs>